T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You surprised at how well it's, how fast and how well it's healing? Yeah. You know, I put a pee on it. That's why. The jokester, you Darvish, talking about going all Moises Alou on his blister. But he didn't, I don't believe. No, but that blister urinates on the Cubs' chances to win with any urgency. We'll talk about the Cubs' Cubs urgency and winning with Jordan Bastian. He joins us now on the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. Jordan, you can read him at MLB.com. He's on Twitter at, at MLB, ML Bastian, B-A-S-T-I-N. Jordan, thanks for joining us today. No problem. How are you guys doing? We're doing fine. We don't, we don't have blisters, and I hate now <laughs> having my Cub Serenity disturbed by every time you Darvish's name pops up in a headline. And I don't know where. So where does it sit today? Where should my my Darvish alert level be today? <laughs> what color should it be? Orange? <laughs> yellow? It's not oh, red yellow. Oh, because boy. he has not been, they've not cut off all his fingers, but where are, where, where should I be? Yeah. Blister watch 2019 out here in Mesa. Uh, you know, he pitched his bullpen session um, yesterday with a, with a bandaid on his finger. Obviously you can't pitch with something on your hand like that during a game. Um, but he said in terms of grip and discomfort and everything like that, he felt fine. Um, I mean, he's been posting photos on Instagram, the things healing up quick, which led to the humorous exchange that you just played um, because he had joked that teammates had told him to, uh, you know, pee on his hands. Uh, it's the age-old, you know, baseball wives' tale. I don't know. Um, you know, obviously people in Chicago remember Moises Alou and stories about that. Um Darvish said he has not actually taken that route, but the thing has been healing well. He's pitching in a game, a minor league game on Sunday. He said he's probably going to start off with something covering the blister, and if he feels fine in terms of just pain or discomfort or whatever, um, then he's going to remove it um, for as that outing goes on, and that'll be the big test. But it's an unusual spot. I mean, usually when you talk about problematic blisters, they're, they're more towards uh, the tips of the fingers and maybe on the – uh, the pointer or the, the middle finger. This is on sort of the inside side of his ring finger. It's kind of a unique spot. So I'm not really sure, based on other blister experiences, how this one will go. But so far, it's all been good. 
I wouldn't put the the cause for alarm very high on this one. Yeah, I heard blister, and I thought, okay, Rich Hill got to leave right. after leave after his start every, once in a while, every five innings. But Darvish had a blister in 2013 and never missed a start. Actually, while pitching right. for the Rangers, while pitching for the Rangers, they actually never even changed around the rotation. So I find myself op- optimistic on it. It, it, it. Darvish in general is such an interesting guy, and I don't know any Japanese stand-up comics, so I can't even <laughs> reference them. But his comfort level and his desire to try and get laughs, it's like, where the hell was this guy? Uh, injured. Just, it, it injured. Injured less. Yeah. Also scared. Uh-huh. You know, and I don't and I don't say that as a as as an insult. It's just the dude was mentally pressure. and emotionally rattled and under pressure almost the entirety of last season, and he's not now. So how do you not look at this as a possibility for him to be good? Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I wasn't around Cubs camp last year, so I've had to ask a lot of people about, like, how is this different? Because this is my my version of you, Darvish, is fantastic. This mm-hmm. guy's walking around, he's doing all his interviews in English, he's cracking jokes, um, he's hitting 97. You know, I mean, this has been great. Uh, but I think from all the stories, you know, I've heard from guys just saying, no, it's like a different person arrived in camp. And I think there's a lot of things that go into that. Obviously, there's the health. Um, he also said there was something else physically bothering him uh, a year ago, um, not related to his arm, but just like how he felt physically. Um, and he said he feels in a much better spot this year. When he arrived in camp, everyone said physically he looked stronger. He's walking taller. you know. And I know these are all anecdotal little things, but that all adds up to kind of what you're saying, that when a guy is walking around with that much confidence um, and he's confident and comfortable enough to – you know, ditch the translator, do these interviews in English. He speaks great English, um, you know, and then also to show off this personality and, and sense of humor that has probably always been there, but Cubs fans are seeing it for the first time. I think these are all great signs. And then you combine that, like you said, with what we're seeing in the games, which, okay, that first outing aside, he had a lot of jitters. He walked four guys, but he's hitting high velocity. He has the break that you're used to seeing on those pitches. You know, you combine the stuff with the confidence, and I think that portends for good things. I think the thing they're going to have to monitor with him, and I've talked to Tommy Hadovy, the pitching coach, a little bit about this, is this guy threw 40 innings last year. So you can't go into this year thinking, wow, man, he's so comfortable and confident, he's going to give you 200 innings. Just that might not be realistic. So they're going to have to build in uh, maybe off days here and there. April, I think there's six off days, so that works in his favor. You know, being open-minded about moving the day of his bullpen session around, uh, things like that. Like, hey, if you're if you're not feeling great, and we can give you put you on a six-day schedule instead of a five-day schedule, does that make sense? Those are things they're going to have to sort of monitor throughout the season to kind of build in those those days to kind of keep an eye on that uh, innings total as he gets deeper into the year. Talking with Jordan Bastian, MLB.com, covering the Cubs. Jordan, earlier, I was ranting about the Joe Madden's lack of urgency with his rotation. You Darvish mm-hmm. can go have a seat as far as I'm concerned right now. I would start with Lester, then Hamels, and then I would bring back another left-hander Quintana against all the left-handers in Texas's lineup. And I would make sure yep. Quintana is lined up to pitch against the Brewers by the way that, that, rotation goes to me that's urgency any chance that happens and if not why not and when do we fire joe madden ah. <laughs> uh you know what i mean i think there's a reason they haven't announced the rotation for texas yet obviously some of that 
is due to the off days. Um, they're going to want to talk to Lester. Hey, do you want to stay on a five day or should we push you back a little bit right out of the gate? Um, I think the big key moment is going to be Darvish's minor league game, how he looks, how he feels. And then once he gets through that, wants to kind of have the sense of, do they need to push him back a little? Then we're going to have that rotation um, it be in a spot where they can come out and announce. But it's looked like, I mean, the way it's lined up all spring has been Lester, Darvish, Hamels, Hendricks, Quintana, kind of alternating the lefties and righties. You're still going to have back-to-back lefties at some point, just with off days built in. So you can't alternate it the entire way through. Um, but I don't know if there's, I, I, in that sense of that you're mentioning, like looking at uh, Quintana's track record against Milwaukee, or you know, looking at just we want to get all the lefties against Texas against those big lefties. You know, Darvis also has wanted to pitch against the Rangers. That's his former team. I know Hamels wants to pitch against them as well. Uh, so we'll know those answers here in a few days. Um, I don't think uh, they're going to fire Joe Madden based on the rotation order uh, six games into the season. No, I, can, I can probably bank on that. But 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 the overall topic is intriguing because yeah, it, you know sure. Theo has preached the urgency and talked about it, and all the coaches and the new, the new staff are talking about making sure our mindset is there. And even the players will say, "Man, if we had one extra one extra game in May right. or in yep. June or whatever." So how does that translate to management? of a game, of a series, when Joe is notorious for making sure guys get rest at the expense, possibly, of a lineup here and there, that kind of thing. How will that translate to what Joe does on a daily basis is interesting. Yeah, it is. And I think we've seen it here in spring in terms of him being on the field, running the situational hitting drills every day. You know, I think some people might have thought, oh, yeah, you'll see it at the start of camp. Maybe it's just going to be a bit of eyewash. He's continued it throughout the spring. Um, you know, I've talked to some hitters and even talked to hitting coach Anthony Iaposi, and they said, you know, that they think there are things that are best coming from a manager um, as opposed to coming from a hitting coach. So we've seen a little bit of that behind the scenes. And I think when they're talking about the urgency, a lot of it is maybe steered more towards the lineup and the offense and things they're doing in game in certain situations, you know, sacrificing themselves for the betterment of starting a rally in an inning or moving a runner, a lot of, you know, they call it opportunity hitting right now, situational Mm -hmm. hitting. Um, I think where you're talking about that urgency is, I think you're going to see maybe more of it along the lines of what they're trying to do as an offense this year. Um, We've seen the prep work in the spring, and that'll obviously be under the microscope as we go into the season. And I think a lot of what you're saying will maybe translate more visibly on the field through through the lens of the lineup. It starts with a rotation. Nobody's listening to me. Um, they should fire Joe Madden. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along, Jordan Bastion of MLB.com, talking Cubs here on the score. Um, <clears throat> compare and contrast. Discuss. Mm-hmm. Brian Dunsing, why does he suck? Brian Brandon Kinsler, why is he sucking right behind him? And how can the Cubs afford to – where's their trust level? How can they afford to trust him at this point? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when we talked to Madden – uh, yesterday, you know, we said, hey, if Strobe's ready, I mean, is your bullpen pretty much locked into place? And he said, oh, not necessarily. There's still things they're discussing. And, you know, we actually, as part of that discussion, asked about Dunsing and Kinsler. And, you know, he kind of said he feels Kinsler is pitching well, results aside. Like, he referenced the grounder that he got that didn't work out, but the pitcher did his job. As far as Dunsing goes, Madden, as recently as yesterday, said he's still not there yet. You know, it looks like he's still not where he wants to be. And, 
you think you know that's pretty interesting because if you're talking about a guy who you know is locked into place for for a bullpen, you know spring uh, optimism abounds. Usually you're going to start saying those things to to support the guy. Oh, hey, he's almost there. You know what we heard was, you know, he's not there yet. He's still working it. He's in the pitch lab. You know they're working on things. Uh, well, they're working on things, and opening day is right here around the corner. So yeah, I'm not sure where the level of trust there is. I think they feel that the group is deep enough where maybe those two guys that you're referencing aren't in the highest of leverage situations. Maybe you can try and have a rotation that pitches deep and minimize the exposure of those guys and use them very specifically if they're in the bullpen to try and control the type of matchups that they're in. Uh, but I think we're going to find out here pretty soon. There will probably be some roster cuts announced uh, today or tomorrow um, that will kind of narrow uh, the the options of what's going to be in that bullpen, and we'll have a little more clarity along those lines. Yeah, it's one thing to not spend the money on relievers when you can't. Right. It's another to just carry relievers you're already spending the money on at the expense of quality. I mean, guys like whether it's Alan Webster or Junichi Tozawa or Randy Rosario, I mean, like there, there's guys who have pitched a hell of a lot better than those two, no matter what the salaries are. And if you're serious, you bring your best, period. Right? Right. And, and yeah, and there's that balance of, there's always that balance of you want to maintain as much depth as possible at the start of the year because we know the opening day roster is not what the roster is going to maybe look like That's a week true. from then, two That's weeks true. from then. So you need to maintain the depth. You need to say, some of these guys on minor league contracts need to go to the minor leagues, and you tell them, you're going to be in the big leagues. We just want it for the sake of depth. You know, we have to make this move now for, for the for the long view. But you also, to go back to what we were just discussing, that urgency, the urgency is results matter, best arm available matters, and building the staff based on what you think is the best group not the highest paid group. You know, so I think you have to find strike that balance of making sure you have enough depth and that you're not just cutting ties with every non-roster guy that you have here or knocking guys off the 40-man roster and then losing that layer of depth. You got to balance that, but you also have to balance it with exactly what you're saying that, you know, we've heard this message of, you know, urgency, uh results matter. And it's, you know, maybe the contracts won't come into play. We'll have some of those answers here in the next few days. And then we can uh, analyze it a little more clearly when we sort of know where the puzzle pieces fall. Um, But I think uh, you're right in in a lot of these things you're saying. These, um, it's been really fun to watch and read about Nico Horner, the young Mm -hmm. shortstop out of Stanford who has just been tremendous and been given a chance um, in some of the major league games. And you did a long Q&A with him at Medium.com, which uh, I enjoyed longer than the stuff that's available on MLB.com. And, uh, you know, I don't know how fast he will move through the system. I think he's only had, what, seven at-bats or 17 at-bats at something uh, at A-ball. But remember, Juan Soto of the Nationals had like six, right. 16 games at low A, 16 games at high A, and then like nine games at double A, and then they brought him up and boom, and he's there. I don't know if Horner's that good, but he might be a fast mover, right? Because he's he's kind of he he's he's irregularly smart and on point for a guy that young. Yeah, and just to get back to the yeah, it's on my my blog bastion.moblogs.com. I a lot of times will use that as a space to sort of supplement the coverage on the site. And this was a great example. I mean, it was great to write a feature on him, but he had so many good things to say. I wanted the whole interview to be out there because I enjoyed talking to him. It was 15 minutes and I could have gone 15 more with him. He's that sharp. He's that polished, you know, his awareness of 
you know, not just saying I'm open-minded to analytics, but how they apply and knowing that it's not just becoming consumed in the numbers and, and launch angle and all this stuff, but, um, you know, using it in his training and forgetting about it when he's on the field. Uh, the open-mindedness to being versatile. I mean, he, he comes around and says, if I'm going to play for a Joe Madden Cubs team, I can't just be locked into one position. You know, he knows i got to move around. i got to be versatile. So for a young guy who hasn't played above A-ball to be that uh, in tune with the, the hitting training elements, to be that open-minded about analytics, about being versatile, those are all boxes that you look to check. Um, in guys that could be fast movers, and I think he fits that profile. I, it was a really um, engaging conversation with him, um, really sharp kid, and it's going to be really fun to see where he starts off this year, You know, potentially high A, maybe double A, um, and then obviously where he finishes the year. But I think he's on the, he's on the fast pace for sure, and you know, maybe that's not this season. You know, Maybe it's next season, but he looks like, especially if he's going to become versatile, that's a guy that could look good. Um, anywhere in that infield as you start sort of plotting out the way this roster looks over the next couple of years. Doesn't sound like a kid whose parents had to bribe somebody to get him into Stanford. <laughs> Not at all. Not no. as far as we know. Jordan, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you during the season. All right, anytime, guys. All right, thank you. That's Jordan Bastion, MLB.com. Um, can I give you one quote from Nico Horner in this Q and a, you can give me all that you, you've, you can give me another 20 minutes worth of quotes before we do transition with Julie DeCaro and Maggie <laughs> Hendricks. Um, he, and he was asked about now that he's in the big leagues, you know, just this spring has been around during BP or in the dugout. Are you picking guys brains? And he said, it's been more watching for me. I think, too, some of the best experiences I've had in hitters meetings, just talking. It's awesome to hear how open and vulnerable some of the biggest stars in the game are about what goes on the mental side of hitting, how to approach hitting as a team, create a run scoring culture. That's been really special to see. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a, a young guy and Nico Horner talking about, you know, Rizzo, Bryant, and, and all these guys just being being vulnerable in those hitters meetings, which is maybe something you don't think about how these guys have to be. But the mental side of the game is so challenging right. that you have to be in order to deal with it. Sounds like someone smart enough to know the ratio of two ears and one mouth and use, using them in that proportion. I agree. Good, good for him. Uh, to answer Twitter follower for No Trump... I didn't know he was following. He or she was following me. The Casablanca book I'm reading is called "We'll Always Have Casablanca: The Legend huh. and Afterlife of Hollywood's Most Beloved Film." That's a great title, and and it is. There are many Casablanca books. It's the best movie ever made. It's the best script ever written. It's the the most brilliant characters, and I'm loving the history that goes into this and the the backbiting that went on and all of the um, the way these characters were shaped. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, um, Coach K, you might have heard of him. Um, he has motivation. He has motivation for his team that he's found in odd places. And uh, we'll discuss that story next and some other NCAA stuff. And we'll fill space because we are the village people. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
I got my own rhythm session as a co-host. So it turns out you, you'd never necessarily imagine this, but especially in the wake of Tom Izzo yelling at players to try to get him to motivate it, be motivated, and people yelling at Tom Izzo for doing what Tom Izzo has done for years, right. what a lot of coaches have done for years. And then people yelling at the people who yelled at Tom Izzo. I don't know how people type, you know, how all the people typed all that anti-Tom Izzo stuff while clutching their pearls, but we're not here to discuss that. <laughs> Warrior sideline reporter Kareth Burke, a um, former Dookie, um, talked about, she, she was interviewing Quinn Cook, former Dookie, member of the Warriors, and found out something about Coach K that um, I don't think a lot of us knew. And, and I want you to be able to see if you can, you know, connect the dots here. But here's, here's um, one, one opposites attracting. But I remember getting to know Coach K a little bit. He was funnier than most people might realize. Oh, was a, that your experience yeah. with him? Yes. How yeah. was he funny? Just, just, just anyway, he like loves Beyonce. Does he? Yeah, he loves Beyonce. So, I didn't know this. I had so, no idea. He like loves Beyonce. So uh, I remember one time. That's gonna be the clickbait right we, there. Did we, he? We, yeah. We weren't. Uh, we weren't. We weren't <laughs> practicing. Like we weren't practicing the right way. And so we we come in and he he's like the ultimate motivator. If it's giving us a highlight tape right before the game or you know just anything, he he'll make you. Never really feel like you can beat the world. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we weren't practicing well, and it was trickling into our games. Um, just barely beating teams we were supposed to, you know, uh, manhandle. And, uh, you know, so we, we come in the film, and it's this big dark arena, uh, theater. And, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, Kevin, turn it on. That's our uh, video guy. He's like, yeah, Kevin, just turn it on. Doesn't uh-huh. say anything. And it's like Beyonce. And it's like, just her walking, her like talking to her dancers, talking to you know, everybody in the room, how she wants this, how she wants that. She's like, what is she getting to? What is she getting to? And he's showing how hard she's practicing. She's rehearsing for her show and she's going full speed, you know, sweating. Like <laughs> she's like, I just, I didn't like, I didn't like it. Like just, she, she was really demanding, you know, greatness in practice and in, in, in her rehearsal. And then it transferred to her doing a show that night. And that was his, you know, little correlation about how how hard we need to go and practice for it to transfer to the game. <laughs> and uh, it, I mean, it was like, Coach, what are we doing? Like, Beyonce, it, yeah. yeah. But, it, but I mean, we started practicing a little harder after that. Is so. it okay that in my head I'm imagining Coach K doing the single ladies dance? No. <laughs> No, yeah, no, don't do that. no, no. no? Coach, coach got too much swag. Mm. Yeah. Has he ever met her? Do you think he's yeah, ever yeah. like and then, and then, uh, used his influence to he got, get Beyonce he got awarded, and Jay Z? He got awarded, uh, I think, Sportsman of the Year or Coach of the Year. It was mm-hmm. it was him and Pat Summit, and uh, in New York, and uh, so like Jay Z was there, LeBron. So there's a picture of, of oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Jay Z. It's like Jay Z, LeBron, Beyonce, yeah. and Coach. And, like, you know, Coach, like, all four of them are in the picture. So, Coach, you know, just smiling, regular. Then there's another picture with just him and Beyonce, and he is just blushing. His face <laughs> is so red. Like, he, 
What on earth yeah. would they talk about, do you think? I mean, they both great. They both great in their fields. They were talking winning, about their own respect. greatness. I guess, yeah. I guess talk about just winning in life. Yeah. I, they, they both do. I... That's from the Uninterrupted Road Trip and Podcast, Kareth Burke. Uh, she was interviewing Quinn Cook, former Dookie, and Austin Rivers. Um, that was just, I love that. That's fun. The idea of Mike Krzyzewski. He loves Beyonce. And if you look that up, Look how he's blushing, he right? Hundred percent blushing. Quinn Cook is not lying. By the way, I want I want you to. <clears throat> we sent you to the Google machine to play the Florida Man game, right? We we did that earlier. I I can't stress this enough. If you haven't seen it this week, somebody put together to the tune of one shining moment a Lakers version. Oh, I did see that. Oh my, it's brilliant. I don't know who did it. I would love to give credit, but the Lakers version of one shining moment with just air balls and and LeBron James sitting away from everybody. It was it was terrific. You know, it's it's an interesting thing. It's really more for the national um talk show fodder, but what LeBron James declared that it was what was the language? It's go time or it's playoff time. I, I don't. Whatever it was, he made he he when he said, "All right, it's time for us to go into playoff mode." I forget what the exact words were, and it was you know, about three weeks ago. And then the Lakers went three and twelve. They went three and twelve. <laughs> they didn't have Theo Epstein's urgency. Well, no, they sure didn't. There, and remember how well they started. They started. It was yet, before he, tra- he started to trade everybody and fractured the locker room, which is which is not something I expected to take place because I have gr- the respect that I've had for LeBron has grown uh-huh. over the past couple of years. At at first, it was begrudging my my respect, and and then it was just you know very clear that you know how not only his greatness but also what kind of teammate he was, what kind of what kind of force he was within an organization. He absolutely destroyed this particular season and this batch of teammates. Completely destroyed. And this coach. Because Luke Walton's gone, and I don't know. It was an interesting young mix, and not all of them were going to stay, and you knew that, but he derailed the entire thing. And maybe he overestimated their toughness or overestimated their ability to <clears throat> just accept whatever he did, but... It's a it's it, it's a blight. It is it is it is a blight on his resume. Do you think it was premeditated, scorched earth, or it just evolved? I think it just evolved. I I, I do. I mean, I think I think he he's okay with a certain amount of rattling of uh, of players and teammates to try to get them to play better. But then it just it became incredibly obvious along the way that his dreams of what the mix is going to be. For his Los Angeles run, not does not that. include these guys. <laughs> yes, it does. And and some of them Here's who your lovely party, right? Yes. And some of them like Brandon Ingram, or some of them like Kyle Kuzma, who could be legitimately very useful parts of a championship team, uh-huh. have not taken well to this at all. So you know, it's it, it's it's a blight. You know, it's not it's not the kind of thing that that will damage him in the conversation. I don't believe no. in the grand conversation, but no. it sure is ugly. Well, the video worldwide Wob at worldwide Wob on Twitter made the video, according to Michael Chen, and you got to see it. Just Google that. 
it's one shining moment for the Lakers season. It's a wonderful thing. And while we're on um, one shining moment, my um, one of my boss fave Twitter sites, Twitter follows, Super 70 Sports. So there's this picture. You can see this picture here, right? Ralph Sampson. I can, yes. Virginia, because Virginia is barely surviving after last year. They were happy to win a game against another 16 seed. Uh-huh. And this picture of Ralph Sampson at Virginia says, remember when college basketball had four-year studs? And if you do, you're probably also due for a colonoscopy. <laughs> so true. there you know. That's true. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk with Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks. Transition. They will uh, start the radio station at 2 o'clock, and uh, they'll be the opening act for David Schuster's 45-minute show at 6. That's how the station works. New scheduling, new teams, new whatever. Rosenblum and Spiegel, always Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Matt Spiegel, Saturday Suckage, alas, coming to an end, which means the radio station can come to a beginning. It can start its broadcast day at 2 o'clock in advance of that. They can restart after the suckage? They can suck less than us? Well. That's debatable. Does not really take, it's not, we've not set the bar high. No. But we have uh, we have been joined by Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks, who will be on from two till six today. And we've been discussing after one of the things we started our show with was two days of the NCAA tournament and two draft picks, neither of which the Bulls will get because that's <laughs> the cynic in me They're says this is the Bulls' luck. They will draft exactly after. They'll get, like, the fourth pick. So they'll miss out on Morant, Williamson, and Barrett, and they'll pick fourth. Yeah. And and they'll do it badly. And we were so – we were debating <laughs> Barrett – I'm sorry, debating ja. Zion and Ja, and that Ja makes more players better immediately if there's any urgency to the Bulls becoming good immediately, then he would be the better draft pick although we never sense any urgency in the Bulls. As long as Paxson and Gar Foreman are still there and whatever random Reinsdorf, there's no urgency at all to do anything good. But based on two days of tournament play, what did you think of the two likely draft picks? I think Ja is a more mature player, but... Williamson to me is just like a transcendent athlete. Like once who's in got a like a way higher ceiling. Yeah. So, I mean, I, and, you know, the thing with, with uh, Williamson is, you know, he plays basically the same position as Otto Porter Jr. So you've got an issue there, and the Bulls really need a point guard. So Jaw seems to make sense, but... Yeah, it's dangerous to start thinking about fit, right? Yeah. Especially because the NBA, because Zion, like, positionless basketball, Zion, he just, I'll take that athlete yeah, and exactly. throw him at the That's game. That's what I mean. Yeah, let him play wherever he, just throw him on the floor. Yeah, but I feel like that's also what's been happening with, say, Zach Levine, where it's like, here, have a ball, Zach. Let's figure out something, and then they fall into disarray a lot. They do. I mean, they need a point guard. They need somebody to figure out what the heck is going on, what they're doing on the floor. 
They do, and but my thing is, I also wonder if they need an older point guard who actually they'll listen to as a leader, like they have with Otto Porter. <laughs> tried that with Rondo. That's true. And then the, <laughs> cur- the current coach got hit with a towel in the face by that guy. Yeah. Well, he should be. You know, th- that's a, you should have listened to that guy in retrospect. Like he ended up being the one that that smelled the best coming out, coming out of that whole thing. It's interesting as you say they need a point guard. I know you're talking about the team, but I'm really thinking about the entire organization. They really do. <laughs> like, like they need an adult. They need they need an adult in the room. Yes. They need somebody to say, okay, it's bedtime, kids. They need to say, you Gar, know? Gar, I know you're fixated on this particular Iowa State product, but let's move forward and zoom out and think like adults around here. But the so when Wendell Carter Jr. comes back, let's say you get Zion Williamson. You could play them all and Zach's your point guard. Yeah, but he's not really He's not really a point guard, but he's, he's your ball handler. But but they could play random point guard. Hell, they could play Ryan Archie Diacono. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like matter. the game show network. Random point guard. <laughs> point guard. Point guard by committee. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I have this weird feeling, and I'm sure my head is way out over my skis as I watch Ja, that like, that's a guy I want to hand my franchise to. I just really, he is so in control of every facet of the game, no matter what defense they were throwing at him. It's just, it's remarkable. I know, I know, I know. But but you but sometimes you can see it, like when the vision, the vision is there and the poise is there, and just the control of the, the game. He, the way he passes the ball, just, I I shouldn't passes shouldn't be highlights to me. It like passes shouldn't be a thing that I'm looking and super excited yes. to see. But man, he just. He gets the ball to other people in a way that just makes you want to watch him do it again. And Did he waits. See- he waits as long. I'm sorry, Julie, but he waits as long as he could possibly wait and draws as much p- attention as he can, and then rifles that pass perfectly. And the other guy has so much time then to shoot. Right. Did you see the picture of uh, of Zion Williamson celebrating RJ Barrett's yes. slam? Like that, he looked like he was Iron Man, like just taking off. Like I want that guy. <laughs> I, I am. Di- I'm just dying give me to know. The pure athletic guy. Throw him out there and just let him cause trouble for people. You know what the best news might be? I'll take either of them. Yeah. Like all right, now we've now expanded to two. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> where, yes. where you'll accept accept to fall in the draft. Yeah, I yeah. think everybody wants to hit from your bong the fact that you think the Bulls are going to land one of the first two spots. They, but they done get the, lucky. They get stupid lucky. That's the thing that's that's infuriating once, about right? this. But like they get stupid lucky. So I feel like big markets get stupid. I, lucky. Well, yeah, it's the funny how it works conspiracy out. theories have already started about the Knicks getting Williamson and the frozen envelopes and everything all over again. So weighted pinballs. We'll see Once, what happens. it'll work again. Yeah, magnets. Right? I think it's time for magnets. I don't know. <laughs> magnets well, and I, ping pong balls? You know, make it work. They uh-huh. could have helped themselves by not getting Otto Porter Jr. They would might not have won as many games, and they insist on doing playing some of their best ball at some of the worst times. Well, don't you think now is the time, too, when you should start pulling back on the minutes for some of the starters? Not just so that you don't run these guys into the ground because the nagging injuries are starting to pile up, but also to ensure that you stay in that 14%. This is but the yet, time. we're trying to win. This Still, is the, this, why? That, that should have been the plan in October. I agree. Th- this is the time when the excuses present themselves yes, perfectly. a lot yes. more easily. Yes. I, Zach Levine has a sore kidney, so uh, he needs to, he pulled his lung. I've like, learned everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned everything I need to learn about Lowry marketing yes. or whatever. Yes. And it's amazing when I hear these, as, as I long-time fan of hockey, and I hear that whatever cockamamie excuse they want to bring up, and I rec- 
I, you'll all recall the 2015 Stanley Cup Finals when it was learned afterwards that Patrice Bergeron, the Bruins' terrific center, will he had a punctured lung for a couple of games. A and he had, to, he had to play games five and six with a punctured lung, and now we've got load management for NBA players. <laughs> it's an players. upper body injury day to day. Yeah, it's fine. I, I have an <laughs> asthma attack, and I need to be in bed for a week. And he, yeah, back when, lung. back when you 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 used to. You'd watch some playoffs, and you'd see a guy play bad, and you'd go, are you hurt? And he'd say, no. You know, I got to criticize you. You could do what you got to do. You criticize him. And then after it comes out, okay, he's got a fractured a, a fractured leg that it had. they kept taping it uh-huh. on. Uh-huh. And that's like, it's awful. He you was can't... down to two ventricles. Yeah. <laughs> UFC <laughs> fighters, you always hear them, like, in their post-fight because – they don't get paid until they fight, so they don't. They try not to pull out of fights, and so then they'll and stay in their post fight, especially after they lost. But even after they won, that they'll be like, "Yeah, I was dealing with a torn everything," you know, <laughs> yeah. and I, like they have all these. This they'll go through this list of injuries, and you're like, "Well." Perhaps this isn't the best system. I feel like the UFC is in a lot of ways like a template for sports of the future. In like, a terrible, terrible way. That's what like I mean. Running man. Right, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's just all right. Go ahead. Everybody uses whatever, whatever of the drugs. You know, if they can hide them well enough, we'd like to go ahead and let them fight. Also, by the way, after the fight, when you're done and you're on the podium, go ahead and hit your vape pen so you can <laughs> feel better as you're sitting there because that should be the future, frankly, as opposed to running to the Vicodin bottle yeah, and creating an addiction. Yeah. You know, that would that would be poker players have their way of playing golf. They have golf rules. Poker players do. And there are no rules except you cannot kick it back into play, which means you could put Vaseline on your club head, carry as many clubs as you want. What Vaseline on a club head does is it keeps you from slicing. Really? Yes. And they, How am I just finding the out only about rule this now? is you can't kick the ball back into play. I love that. Use whatever. Everything else they make, they have no rules. I don't think my husband that. has any idea about the Vaseline thing. I'm I know gonna start I, being like, I heard this is a great way to take care of your clubs. You well, that's what Vaseline I, I, up the heads all the time. I, I heard it from Dewey Tomko. He was explaining that to me, and he is he is one of Hawk's best golfing buddies, and he knows all the tricks, and um, and they'll bet serious money, and so they know how to. It's not cheating if there's no rules, right. Other than kicking it back into play. See. So. In the in the UFC, like basically any sort of violation you do, you get warned first. Mm-hmm. So, a, a friend of mine who's a, also a journalist also always says about MMA: cheat until you're caught, because you only you get a warning first. What's the point? Like, you, you, what is the point of following the rules hmm. if you're at least going to get a warning just won first? Super Bowls that way. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you're, you you're trying gonna... to make money. It's also pretty much the rule in soccer too. You can yeah. destroy somebody once, second time you get a card. When do you think we're going to find out the manner in which Belichick and the and the uh, and the uh, Patriots cheated to win the most recent Super Bowl? We discussed this. He doesn't. He wanted to talk about the greatness of Brady and Belichick, and I said, I think they've cheated all he along ref- the way. He refused. He, he just swatted me aside. I, and you can chalk it up to cynicism. Yeah, one of my four major food groups. That's fine. But there's connect the dots along the way. They've cheated all along the way. So when do you think we'll find out and what do you think it'll be? Why when we, Bill Belichick's dead and, really? and Josh McDaniel writes the writes his tell-all and, and he'll never be in football again, but he'll make so much money. Mm. It'll be, he'll I'd buy that it. book. I'd buy that book. I'd promote that book. 
Yeah, I would say I would say come right here on the Julian Maggie show. Let's talk about like, it. Like they created something at the stadium that immediately pirated any data at all that was available on the other side of the of the field. Yeah, they had point, neuralizers for years. I think the men in black stole from them that they've immediately wiped out all memory for these people. Because look at every all the assistant coaches, uh-huh. they know how they get cheated. They know how to cheat. They, they go to different places and they suck. Yeah. Romeo Cornell and Matt Patricia is carrying on that long tradition of suckage. What is Charlie Matt Patricia Weiss? doing over there? The only uh, thing Charlie Weiss does right is collect paychecks from everybody, right. everybody. After, after failing. Yeah, hey, you know who's catching up to I'm Charlie jealous. Weiss is Mike Glennon. Yes, yes. He is. That guy is going to be, he's going to retire a bajillionaire. But you know he's what, Julie? He's not played for like 10 he's years. He's very tall. He's tall. <laughs> he's tall. People very forget long that. People forget that he's tall. <laughs> okay. That's Julie and Maggie. They'll be next. We have people to thank as Saturday Suckage concludes. David Schuster, and nothing says Saturday Suckage more than David Schuster. He'll be here for three hours next week. David Hawd joined us, wrote a terrific article on John Phillips. Jordan Bastian of MLB.com. Enjoyed talking to him. Yes. He'll be back. Zach Withers and Mike Chen produced this show. Uh, As I said, Edison Lighthouse is next with... Love Grows Where My Rosemary Gets No. Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks on the score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Yes, wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.